free ad-supported TV or fast continues to expand and this week we discuss new initiatives from TCL, Fire TV, Google TV and Cox Media Group. Listen in to learn more. This week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and Colin Dixon from Endstream Media is with me, as always. Hey there, Colin. Are you over the uh, World Cup defeat by the women? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. What a didn't Spain play well? Oh my goodness! I mean, there was no question that they were the better team. So. I cannot complain too much. It was a really good game, and they played. They just play better than England. So, you know, what can I say? Sad, but true. So congrats to the Spanish team. Other than getting up at three o'clock in the morning to watch it. Yeah, and that turned out it wasn't such a hardship. You know, we went back, we went back to bed afterwards and we still got it. Well, I think we still got our eight hours in, but uh, it, was, it was great fun to watch it. Okay, fair enough. Um, good attitude. So, uh, we're going to get started this week. Um, I think you have the Netflix antenna data for our first news item. I do. And the good news here for Netflix is, at least according to the antenna data, they have gotten a serious bounce in additions of subscribers in June and July after the introduction of their password sharing curbs. Um, it was much more pronounced in June, according to the antenna data. They said they added nearly 3.5 million new subscribers. And that's that's opposed to, you know, the sort of steady tick before that of between 1.2 and 1.5 million ads uh, per, per month. Um, now, so that was the peak in June. It's still much higher in July, 2.5 million, which is one at least a million above the average before that. So it, at least according to the antenna data, it really seems to be paying dividends, the password sharing curve. And I would also say antenna breaks out how people are signing up, whether they're signing up for standard with ads, with basic, standard or premium. And in this last quarter... It actually, the, the share of people signing up for the with ads plan increased to 23%. Uh, and that's way over the average that we've seen since its introduction, at least according to the antenna data. So one of the things I really liked about the way Netflix did this, Will, was they really waited before they introduced the sharing curbs until they had a very cheap option with ads. And I think that was a really smart move because it made it, it made the decision for somebody that was trying to figure out if they wanted to pay a little bit easier because they had a much cheaper $7 option that they could go for if they were prepared to watch a few ads. Um, so that really seems to be paying off. So the antenna data says password sharing curbs, thumbs up, ads, uh, standard with ads, thumbs up. So it seems to be working out quite well for them. Right. And uh, inside the stream, uh, listeners will remember that you and I were pretty bullish on both of these moves by Netflix. Um, we, uh, I think, both liked the opportunity, at least from a business standpoint, not necessarily from a uh, subscriber as being Netflix subscribers ourselves, but from a business standpoint, the idea of 
um, limiting users, uh, the account sharing and password sharing, and also introducing the uh, ad supported tier um, around the same time or just in advance of that it seemed like right. a smart move. And seems like it's paying off, as you said, seems like it's paying off for them so far. Uh, they were pretty confident about that based on the tests that they had done in other markets and seems like they've been on the money so far. I think they have. And I, I should, you know, just on a personal note, I think listeners might be quite interested in what I did personally because I was in this situation. Uh, so before I had been told by Netflix about three, four years ago, when I called to ask what I should do about my mother-in-law, they told me, oh, just share your password. But I felt bad about that. So I'd actually upgraded to the premium plan, which is 1999. Uh, and so what I did was rather than buy an extra location, what I did was I dropped down from that plan from the premium plan to the standard plan for saving of $5. And then I signed up my mother-in-law to the basic plan with her own account, which was $9.99. So the net savings to me was a few dollars, I think three or $4 in the end. So that's what I did. But I should say, you can't do that anymore because Netflix has withdrawn the basic plan. It is no longer available. So I got in just in time for my mother-in-law because, by the way, she refused to watch ads. She did not want to watch ads. And uh, so Netflix has withdrawn that plan. So now you have the really unenviable choice of either $7 with ads or paying $8.50 more to watch with no ads, which is still the biggest premium to watch with no ads in the business. So, uh, so anyway, I snuck in there for her with the, with my mother-in-law for the nine ninety nine plan. Sounds like you made a good choice, Colin, and it's worked out so far. I think, I, well, she seems happy. We're happy, to be honest. Um, we have not noticed a big difference between Ultra HD and HD. We have a 65-inch set. We're sat at about the right distance that you should be based on that screen size. Um, so we really haven't noticed a big difference between HD and Ultra HD. Maybe... Yeah, maybe that's our failing eyesight or something. I don't know, but uh, we certainly didn't. But anyway, what what did uh, what did you see this week? Well, what caught my eye this week was um, news that uh, CNN is going to launch a uh, um, streaming service called CNN Max. It's going to be within the Max streaming service uh, and not cause cost anything extra to Max subscribers. And um, it uh, will not, it also will not be offered as a standalone service. Um, so, video uh, inside the stream listeners will remember that um, CNN had put a lot of money into a service uh, development that they called CNN Plus, which was then shut down just right after it launched. Um, that was concurrent with the new. Uh, management team uh, coming in at Warner at Warner Brothers Discovery, um, and so this seems to be the new strategy for how CNN will be distributed online. It'll be a part of the Mac service, and um, I, I think it's a smart play for them. It's going to add meaningful content to Macs, which I think will um, help uh, additions. It'll probably also help retention. It'll also, I think most importantly, help CNN get more distribution. 
And um, CNN, of course, like all cable networks and broadcast TV networks, have been hurt by the uh, impact of cord cutting. And we're going into the big election year, of course, 24. And um, news is going to become more popular, I think, as we go forward into the election year. And so CNN having a streaming home now within Max seems like a smart um, move for, uh, again, both CNN and also for Max. So uh, I think it's a good move. What do you, what's your take? Yeah, I do too, Will. Yeah, the CNN Plus debacle, that's well in the rearview mirror now. It looks like they've actually abandoned pretty much all of the content that they were planning on putting in CNN Plus. There is going to be some CNN Max specific content, which will not be available in traditional CNN this is it doesn't sound like this is going to be a simulcast it sounds like it's certainly going to leverage content that's available in the live uh, in in the broadcast in the cable network but it is not going to be a simulcast of what's in a, in that network it will have its own programming uh, and I think this is a differentiator for Max one of the things that I think is a challenge for some of the bigger services is establishing themselves as a daily home, a place where people come in on a daily basis to use the service. And news is one of those unique properties that could turn the corner for a bunch of people using this on a daily basis. So I think it's a smart move. It helps cement Max as an app that many, many people will want. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's the right, absolutely the right thing to do. Cool. Well, let's um, let's go forward. As you said at the top, there was there were lots of news items this week around fast launches. No surprise, fast continues to gain momentum, and uh, you're going to get us started on that topic. I am, and the first one, I suppose, the first one and easiest one to talk about is TCL. Now, TCL is one of the biggest. TV manufacturers in the world. It's also one of the, I think it's the second or third, I think it may be the third biggest shipping TV in the US. And they have until now not had a native, well, I should be careful about the word native, but they have not had their own fast service. And that has changed. They have introduced what they're calling TCL TV Plus which includes 200 channels from providers like Scripps Media, Fremantle, NBCU, Filmrise, Banerjee, and, and other suppliers. So it really comes with a pretty good suite of channels. And the interesting thing about TCL is, of course, they really don't have their own smart TV operating system. They really ship TVs with OEM TV OSs and the three that they ship with is Fire TV, the um, Roku and Google TV. So what is not really clear is how TCL TV Plus is going to be integrated into their smart TVs. I think with Google TV it is more straightforward. It looks like it will be uh, pre-installed on TCL TVs in Google Live, Google's Live tab, which of course Google has just improved greatly by making it much easier to search and providing categories and, and integrating other services in there. So I think that's pretty clear. What's not clear 
is how TCL TV Plus will be integrated into the Roku channel, into Roku TVs, because the Roku channel is the default, uh, as it were, pre-installed live live TV service on its TVs and Fire TVs. How how it's going to be on those, and we'll be getting to that in a minute. But right now, the live the live default app there is, I guess, Freevee which is uh, their, their uh, free app. Uh, but um, anyway, it's, it's good that they've done this. I'm just not quite sure how it gets integrated into being the default app on all of its TVs. Uh, certainly, they can get there with Google TV, but I'm not, I'm not sure yeah. how they do with their other partners. And what you're pointing out, Colin, is the uh, inherent advantage of owning the underlying operating system. Yeah, we've critical advantage, this. critical yeah. advantage. Yeah, we've talked about this before. And um, here again, another advantage that becomes, uh, that becomes pretty clear. So, yeah, we'll have to see what TCL has up its sleeve for how to get these fast channels out there on its, on its uh, branded sets. Right. And as I said, I mentioned their... Amazon Fire TV, they had an announcement as well this week, right? They did. So Amazon, um, we know, has been pumping a lot of free, you just mentioned Freevee, uh, has been pumping a lot of free content into their apps. And um, listeners may remember that uh, when I was at the uh, their new front presentation back in May, that they highlighted what they were doing with um, content in Fire TV channels, the Fire TV channels app. And now they've come back with some more details on that and said that uh, Fire TV uh, users can now access content from over 400 different content providers. Um, That includes Major League Baseball, Martha Stewart, Hollywood Reporter, all uh, of these different um, content providers within the Fire TV channels app. So, um, and and of course also, you know, Fire TV is integrated with uh, Alexa. So there's uh, voice uh, command and the ability to navigate via voice as well that um, Fire TV talked about in its um, post. So, uh, here's another bid, I think, by Amazon wisely, as we've talked about in the past, to generate more usage on its devices uh, and within the Fire, the owned Fire TV app, uh, which in turn generates more ad inventory, which has been a big source of growth for Amazon uh, for several quarters now. The, the media business, the ad business has um, really surged for Amazon and no doubt driving more time spent with the Fire TV app is going to aid that even further. Indeed. And the thing that's really confusing to with this announcement, Will, for me, is the positioning of channels versus Freevee. Freevee has, up until now, been sort of the default free app. And if you're using a Fire TV device, a lot of Freevee, when you do search, a lot of Freevee content shows up there without you having to install Freevee or it's, it's, it's already pre-integrated into the interface. So, and by the way, there are a ton of live uh, linear channels available inside of Freevee too. I am really confused by this announcement, Will, of the positioning of channels versus Freevee, how the two 
work together, don't work together, which ones but in, installed by default. I, I got a feeling that they may well just confuse their customers by doing this. Um, I, I took a quick look on my Fire TV before we started recording and I was able to find the channels app pretty quickly in, in the app section. Uh, so that was great. It, it it didn't provide a traditional guide, which a freebie is in the live guide and I could easily find those channels in that live guide. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe channels is integrated in there too. What happens if there are duplicate channels? I don't know. It, it, to me, yeah. this is just a very, very confusing, uh, a confusing announcement. I thought freebie was it. I thought that was their free app. So what yeah. channels is, I don't know. And I'm not crystal clear either, Colin. So, but I'll just make one stab. Again, going back to the new friends, it seemed like Freevee they were positioning as the home of uh, Amazon Originals, and that Fire TV was Fire TV channels was for third-party content. Now, that may be a distinction that's too fine-grained for most users to absorb. Um, but that was sort of the impression that I got. Uh, it would not surprise me in the least if we saw these two apps merged at some point, though, in the future. Don't you agree? Oh, I think it has to be. Uh, Freebie is actually available on other platforms as well. So you right. can get the Freebie app on other platforms. And as far as I know, Channels isn't today. Ch Channels is just available on Fire TV. They talk about it being a specific benefit for Fire TV users. Um, so I don't know. Um, maybe i think you're probably right um one of the things i would like to see with either channels or freebie is for amazon to do a better with um with alexa and me being able to tune to those channels i've had a very very hit and miss ability to actually tune directly to freebie channels from using alexa by saying things like alexa tune to i don't know world poker tour or something like that it, it doesn't seem to work very well in that environment and by the way they're not the only platform where tuning to the built-in fasts doesn't work very well so i say so this is more of a problem for the whole industry so hopefully they do a better job there when they figure out the the positioning of channels and freebie and as you said i think hopefully they'll bring them together yeah i think that's right and we have yet another fast story this week i think right we actually we don't just have one we have several <laughs> it's just all like, right take it away it, it wasn't just that the one of the ones i wanted to sort of bring some focus on here was um the first one is actually cox media group you may not have heard of cox this is different to cox the old cable company and they own uh, i think 14 tv stations and diginets and i think they also own some radio stations in places like georgia um, and north carolina and places like that and they've done something really interesting will they announced a new free streaming uh, service called Neighborhood TV. And what this is, they're really focusing Neighborhood TV rather than on a specific DMA. They're focusing it on a subset of that DMA. So this is one, one, two, or maybe three zip codes. And they're really focusing in on these neighborhoods. So they're launching channels which focus on these neighborhoods. And they're leveraging their TV stations, the news organizations in their TV stations, to 
create content that populates these. Now, some of, some of this is probably part of their regular broadcast, their, their, their regular channel broadcast, which serves that DMA. But I think they're also going out and pulling additional content, putting additional content together that's really focused on these neighborhoods. And so the, the strategy for distribution of this is they've, they've got a web app which you can watch in your browser. They've also got their own app, a neighborhood TV app, which you can load onto your TV. But they're also doing fast channels on fast services. So, um, so you'll be able to watch these in just whatever fast service you're using. For example, they're already on Local Now and Distro TV, which are two fast platforms. Yeah. Um, local Now, by the way, is very focused on local TV and local TV news. So there are a lot of um, options there. So let's see what they say. They say that they're already launched in Charlotte and Atlanta with neighborhood TV and it looks like they have service it already covers 70 neighborhoods will in the Georgia area and 30 in North Carolina and they say they have their eye on 5000 more throughout the US the really the thing i love about this approach will is they think that they've identified an advertising opportunity that has had real problems reaching audiences since Nobody reads newspapers anymore. Nobody really pays any attention to yellow pages anymore. Uh, and the price of advertising on bigger, bigger, fast services and um, broadcast TV is so much higher. There's a lot of smaller businesses that don't have an opportunity now to advertise, video advertise to their customers. They really don't have a strong route to reach those customers. Cox Media Group wants to tap into that opportunity and give them, give local businesses the opportunity to advertise to their customers in this neighborhood TV. And I think that's a really interesting strategy, whether it's enough of a revenue lift to make these uh, make neighborhood TV profitable in the neighborhoods that they launch in is another question. But given the, popul the continued popu popularity of local TV and local media, uh, I think that neighborhood TV is a really interesting approach. And um, you know, my big hope is that they have enough time to develop their market so much that they can actually be profitable. I agree. I, I think it's a very interesting play. Um, the question that I had was just, you know how much content can be created and what are the economics around that because obviously as you get into uh, serving smaller and smaller audiences there's um, you know the cost per yeah. uh, time produced uh, is amortized over fewer people um, so that's the only question I had but certainly Cox is a local TV company um, so they know that business and presumably they know what can be produced and uh, how best to monetize it. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's that's the key there, right? This is not a from the grounds up uh, production. Yeah. They already have reporters on the ground in those regions anyway. Why not leverage the, leverage the stuff that they're producing and produce more content if, you know, assuming that these guys have got time to do it, produce more content on local issues. I'm looking right here. This is a, a, a headline, 
Roswell's Canton Street update and they're talking on this particular article I was watching they were talking about making this a pedestrian only zone which of course many small cities are talking about right now uh, so I thought this was very interesting and I watched this with some interest and I bet this would be of a lot of interest to that neighborhood that that discussion so anyway um, I think that was a really interesting move and uh, be great to see how that does absolutely and do you want to finish off did you have one other or two others there's a google play uh google tv one also did you want to mention well we should mention that google tv has upgraded i think we mentioned um uh we mentioned on the podcast a while ago that google tv has made a big update to its live tab yeah. of course we had ben serridge on the podcast telling us about those upgrades uh, well, now they've added 25 more channels here, so there is even more content um, on Google TV for you to watch. If you have a Google TV platform, you can you can find 25 new channels. Although I didn't see any details in that announcement about exactly which channels they had added. Uh, but boy, I mean, if you're using a TCL, TCL TV and you've got TCL TV plus 200 channels, you just got 25 added to the 100 or so that Google were providing. And then there's all the other stuff. But boy, there's more, <laughs> there's more channels than you're going to know what to do with it. It's probably going to get to a thousand pretty quickly since they had 800 integrated in there before. Um, so so there's that. Um and uh, there's also the fact that one of the things I did note, and I just want to mention this real quickly, Will, in Fox Corp's uh, end of quarter announcements, one of the things that they announced there was that Tubi now is instrumental in reducing the losses that they're seeing in traditional pay television. In fact, when they talked about those losses they they really did point to Tubi now as offsetting quite a lot the traditional TV losses and, and I think we saw in Disney's announcements I think they said they saw a 7% decrease in advertising revenue through their um, through their TV stations so this now I think Fox is their purchase of Tubi in 2020 was a really smart purchase. And uh, I noticed there was one article talking about how broadcast groups had been really pounded by Wall Street, not Fox. Fox stock has held up pretty well. And I think probably it's because they own Tubi and Tubi is probably the number two fast service in the US right now. So I think that was a very smart move. And of course, Tubi is now not just an on-demand platform. It has a ton of linear channels too. And uh, looking at uh, looking at the last report from TiVo, it looks like people are using the free the fast services now about 50-50 between watching channels and watching on-demand content. So having those channels I think is really important and they really seem to be working for people still. So uh, so yeah, I think that's just about it. But uh, boy, it seems like everybody's piling in, the viewers are coming. Uh, it seems like a still a very dynamic, strong market to be participating in. I agree, a lot of interest here. And um, 
you know, I think uh, it's not going to subside anytime soon. It's this is, seems like a case of more is going to be more, and uh, as long as the economics work, it's going to keep rolling out. I agree, absolutely. Okay, Colin. Well, we've covered a lot of ground here today, so I think we'll leave it at that. Uh, unless you have any other uh, final words to share, I do not. I think we've probably covered most of the big fast announcements in the last week. Bill. Okay, sounds good. Well, thanks everybody for listening in, and uh, we'll see you all again next week on Inside the Street. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.